Samuel chapter 7. And technically, I'm giving an exposition of just one word, the word Ebenezer. So in this text, we find the word Ebenezer, and I want to explain to you what that means and uh, apply it to our lives this day. 1 Samuel chapter 7, beginning with verse 3, and Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth. Ashtaroth was the name of a female deity. Put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you and direct your heart to the Lord and serve Him only. And He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtaroth and they served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard of it, they were, <clears throat> they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel but the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as beth Car. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer, for he said, Till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The cities that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath. And Israel delivered their territory from the hand of the Philistines. There was peace also between Israel and the Amorites. <clears throat> In thinking about this one word, Ebenezer, I will divide this text into three sections. First of all, there is a thankful look into the past, a thankful look into the past. And then there is a pause, and then there is a hopeful look into the future. So those are the, the three headings that I will uh, order, order this text under. It's common at this time of year for people to begin to uh, make resolutions, things that we need to improve on. And uh, if one of your resolutions is, I want to improve my personality, I want to become a, uh, a more likable person, <clears throat> then uh, I have some very practical advice for you. Cultivate thankfulness and your personality will improve drastically. 
I mean, if you're really thankful, there are several other contributing elements that come into making a person really thankful. One is that you have to be able to step back from your life and see what are the good things that you have. Probably it will help you to contrast your life with the life of someone that you know to uh, be less blessed. And that ought to cause us to say, well, I, I have been blessed. I'm, I'm seeing some of these things in my life that if I don't step back and look at them, I just kind of take them as a matter of course. Another thing that uh, thankfulness will do for you is that it will help you to see people in your life who have been a blessing to you. And uh, it ought to encourage you to express your appreciation to those people for the way that they have blessed you. And uh, that also is a way to make yourself a more likable person. When you recognize what other people have done for you <clears throat> and you express your appreciation for it. Well, so far my comments have been directed in kind of the way to make yourself more likable to others but, uh, and to other humans. But apply all of this to the Lord's blessings in your life. And the most, most of this sermon is an encouragement to make us a thankful people and to make this a day of Ebenezer, uh, a day when we, we deliberately look back on some of the blessings that the Lord has given us in our lives. Uh, I'm primarily directing this towards you as an individual, towards you as families, but if we look back over the recent months and years here at Bullet Lick, we have to say, Ebenezer, the Lord has helped us till now. The Lord has, the Lord has blessed us with many, many blessings. Uh, the Lord has blessed us with peace. The Lord has been converting people. The Lord has been adding people to the church. Uh, the Lord has been helping us to make progress in, in knowing Him and uh, in encouraging and helping one another. There are people who are, uh, who are rising up and uh, taking charge of ministries and running them effectively, and, uh, and this, is, this is a blessed church. And uh, we just want to say thank you to the Lord and make this a day of Ebenezer and say, hitherto the Lord has helped us. I'd like for us to uh, have our thoughts pointed by this text as we take a thankful look into the past. Let's see what were some of the things that Israel had to say, hitherto the Lord has helped us in this, in this immediate passage. So turn your Bible or <clears throat> just direct your attention back to verse 3 where, where the, my text begins. So... There is a stone that is raised up. It's called Eben, which is the Hebrew word for stone, and Hazer, which means helped. So to this point, the Lord has helped us, and he, he raises a stone. It's not a polished stone. It's just a rock. It doesn't have to be fancy, but it's a way of saying, we're going to remember this. We're going to remember how good the Lord has been to us and the way that he's blessed us in this situation. And one of the things that they and we have to be thankful for is the influence of faithful spiritual leaders in our lives. Look with me back at verse 3. Samuel is that faithful spiritual leader in this text. Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you. 
First thing that Samuel does is he says, if you are really serious about having a relationship with the Lord, then you have got to repent. And a faithful spiritual advisor in your life will not hold back when he sees that something is is going wrong in your life, something that you need to be corrected for, then a faithful spiritual advisor will, will speak to you frankly about that. I aspire to be that kind of spiritual leader, but most of my advice to you is in a public setting. Sometimes there are one-on-one conversations that we have, and maybe you seek out my counsel or the counsel of one of the other elders, but for the most part, my influence upon you, I hope, is uh, through the proclamation of the Word. And I aspire to be a man who faithfully preaches the necessity of repentance. But there may be someone else in your life who has been this faithful spiritual mentor and has directed you toward repentance, has talked to you about the hard things that no one else would have talked to you about and pointed out some things, frankly and in love, that needed to be pointed out to you. Well, then you should raise an Ebenezer and thank God for that person who preached to you repentance. Not only did Samuel preach repentance, but he also preached faith in Christ. The word faith is not used, but look at what he says in verse 3. Put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only. That is faith. Direct your heart to the Lord. I am turning away from other gods, I'm turning my heart to you. You alone are going to be my Lord and Master from from this day forth. I open myself up to all that you have to teach me, all that you have to direct me to do. I am on your side. I can't remember if I said this last week, but in recent days uh, I read where Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. And this is when when God had said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And Abraham says, I don't even have a son. The, The person who's going to receive my inheritance is Eliezer, a steward in my household. And God says, he's not going to be your heir. And he takes Abraham out. At that time, his name was Abram. He takes Abram out and he says, look at the stars of the heaven. If you can count the number of the stars, then you will be able to number your descendants. And then it says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. That statement about Abraham is used in the book of Romans to illustrate that salvation is by faith. Well, what was it that Abraham was believing? He was believing that God was going to bless him with a son. You get saved if you believe that God's going to give you a child. You get saved when you believe that sort of thing. If that's as far as God has revealed himself to you, then yes. You believe what God reveals to you. You open yourself up. I'm your boy. I'm your girl. I'm going to follow you. You say I'm going to have a son. I'm going to quit fretting about it. I'm going to have a son. Of course, the content of faith in these New Testament days is more substantial than that. There's, there are some basic truths that it's necessary for us to believe when we say, I'm your boy, I'm your girl. God has clearly revealed in His Word that He has given His Son to to be all that Jesus did, to live a perfect life, to die as a sacrifice for sinners. 
we say, I believe it. If that's the way you want to save me, have at it. I'm glad to be saved that way. I am your boy. And since you want me to come to you through Jesus, I'm coming to you through Jesus. You want me to believe that Jesus arose from the dead? I believe it. I believe it. God help me with my unbelief, but I believe it. And when you turn to the Lord with that kind of, I am giving myself entirely to you and I'm receiving everything that you have from me, that's faith. And that's what Samuel is talking about here. He's saying, turn your heart to the Lord. And so this faithful spiritual influence upon them was someone who preached to them repentance and he preached to them salvation by grace through faith. Do you have a spiritual advisor, a spiritual leader in your life? It may be someone who is dead. It may be someone who's still alive. If it's someone who is still alive and they do not know what you're thinking about them right now with appreciation, I'm sure it would be a blessing to that person and a blessing to you if you would take the effort to contact them and express your appreciation for them. Just to say, our pastor today preached on Ebenezer, raised a stone saying, hitherto the Lord has helped. And one of the things that I'm thankful for is that I'm thankful for your influence in my life. So that's one of the things. As we take a thankful look backward, we're able to see how that the Lord has used faithful servants who preach to us the truth of repentance and faith in Him. And then here's a second thing in this text that perhaps you also have opportunity or you have occasion to be thankful for. Has there been a turning to the Lord in your life in the last year? Has there been a turning to the Lord? It may be that this time last year you were a Christian, but there was something in your life that was interrupting your fellowship with the Lord. And in the past 12 months, the Lord has enabled you to turn away from that. Maybe it was some vice. Maybe it was a problem with anger. And you determined, God, I need help controlling my temper. I need help controlling my anger. And uh, you set to work on it. And you prayed about it. And when you got angry, you confessed it to the Lord. And then one week you realized that you'd gone a whole week and you hadn't been angry. And you said, Lord, thank you that you have helped me to overcome anger this week. And then maybe you went a second week. And then when you have gone for a month without indulging in that vice that has been such a plague to you, then one of the ancient philosophers says you should call in your friends and have a party. Because you have conquered something that was interfering with the development of your character and the the goodness of your character. Has there been a turning in your life in the last year? Have you you experienced a, a renewed interest in God's Word? Have you experienced the renewed commitment to prayer? Have you been able to... Has the Lord drawn you to himself in this last year? For some of you, it's salvation. Some of you have been saved in the last year. And thank God for that. But we ought to be able to look back over the last few months and say, the Lord helped me there. And it's not arrogant to say, I've made progress there. 
because it's God's goodness. And then raise a stone of Ebenezer and say, hitherto the Lord has helped us. You know, not all influence is drastic influence. In, my, in the backyard of the home where I grew up, uh, when we first moved there, there uh, they, had, they had hung, uh, a, they put up clothesline for us. So there was a T-post that was set in concrete, and uh, the posts were upright, and the, uh, the clothesline, the wire clothesline, was strung tight between those two T-posts. But through the years, those T-posts gradually moved in more and more towards the middle so that when my mom hung out clothes on the line, she had to get a prop and prop up that clothesline in the middle. Nobody was out there pushing on those, t- on those posts that the, the clothesline was on. It was just the gradual influence through the years that, that pulled those posts closer and closer. And that's the way it is with... Uh, with much of the influence in our lives. It's just kind of the, the, steady, the steady influence that, that makes us good or makes us bad. It, it works both ways. And, uh, but sometimes there are also uh, books or experiences that effect a sudden and dramatic turning to the Lord. I was uh, on the ride down here this morning. I was asking Carol and Naomi, can you think of a book that has made a significant difference in your life? Or an experience? Is there something that really shaped you? And you can look at it as that, that shaped me very much. It's a good question for, for you to think about. Is there something that shaped me rather rapidly? And as a result of that conversation... My perspective on things was changed. <clears throat> I can think of a, a conversation like that that I had with my Uncle Paul. It's possible that my Uncle Paul is watching me live right now because he's not able to get out of the house, and I think he often tunes in to watch this. But uh, it was New Year's, New Year's Day 1980. I was 19 years old on my way back to, on my way back to go to school at Judson College. I stopped off to see my grandmother who lived in Mount Vernon, Illinois. She lived in a mobile home, and right next to her lived my Uncle Paul with his family. And uh, I always have loved Uncle Paul, and so I went next door, sat down at the table, and uh, his family was all visiting relatives in Kentucky, <clears throat> but he was there, and, <clears throat> and he was sick. He, was, he, had, he had a cold or the end of the flu or something. But uh, we talked, and we... <clears throat> we he, he's a faithful preacher of God's Word, and he talked to me about, uh, about the gospel. We were talking about the gospel, and uh, several things that he said that night that influenced me deeply. I know I've shared some of them with you before, and you may have read it in one of my books. I tell this story, how that my uncle said, the sinner's cry is not, okay, Jesus, I'm going to give you a break and let you save me. Instead, the sinner's cry is, in the words of Fanny Crosby's hymn, Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. That's the way that someone who says, Oh, I need to be saved, and I see that you're saving other people. I want you to save me. Don't pass by me. 
Save me. Hear my humble cry while on others thou art calling. Do not pass me by. And then in that same evening, <clears throat> he told me about an encounter that he had with uh, a fellow pastor there in Mount Vernon, Illinois. They met in the aisles of the grocery store, as I recall the story, and they had some pleasant chit-chat. And then the, the pastor, of a, pastor of another church in town said, Oric, we ought, to get our, we ought to get our churches together for a union meeting. And my uncle said, well, I'd, I don't think that's going to be possible. And the pastor said, why not? He said, because you preach a different gospel than I do. And the man, I'm sure, was taken aback, but he said, what do you mean? And my uncle said, well, let me ask you this. Why are you a Christian? And the man said, well, because I believe in Jesus. Now, let me interrupt the story and say, that's not a bad answer. That's not a wrong answer. That's a pretty good answer. But my uncle wanted to make a point. And so he said to this man, that's the difference in the gospel that you preach and the gospel that I preach. The first words out of your mouth were, because I. And when you ask me why I'm saved, the first words out of my mouth have to be, because he. Because he. And that's, uh, that's a massive difference. And the Lord used that conversation and drove it home to my heart. I'd already been preaching for a year and a half. But I, <clears throat> I walked over that cold ground to uh, Mamaw's trailer and went back in that ice-cold back bedroom where she had me sleeping on that rickety little aluminum cot. And I lay there with my eyes open with a big lump in my throat. And I thought, why, this changes everything. <laughs> this changes everything. I'm saved because of what Jesus has already finished. I don't have to keep fretting, have I believed enough? Have I repented enough? I'm saved because of something outside of me. And as John Bunyan says in his spiritual autobiography, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners, he came to realize my righteousness is in heaven. And whatever God might say of me, he could not say, John Bunyan lacks my righteousness because my righteousness was right there at God's right hand. Jesus Christ is my righteousness. And uh, that made, that made a, a day and night difference in John Bunyan's life. After that, he could raise an Ebenezer and say, the Lord has taught me something. The Lord has brought a great turning about in my life, a great understanding. And after that, the enemy was as still as a stone in John Bunyan's life. And in my own life, it just that one conversation. I, I've written Uncle Paul letters, and I've told, dedicated a book to him and told him these things, and glad that he's lived to, to hear all of it. Uh, sometimes it's drastic like that, one conversation. And sometimes you just never know what it's going to be. Sometimes it's some little offhand comment that you yourself make, like when some young man on a football bus said to my dad, Oric, are you a Christian? My dad said, yes. And he said, you sure don't talk like one. My dad got converted as a result of that because someone, some 15-year-old boy was faithful enough to say, you're not, you're not talking like a Christian. And so it may be that you've had some experience like that in recent months. Raise an Ebenezer. And give thanks to the Lord. Take a thankful look back 
and see what God has done in your life. And there's a third thing that as they looked back with thankfulness that they could see, and that was that they had been made part of a faithful community. You can see that in verses uh, 5 and 6. Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. Now when it says that Samuel judged the people, it doesn't mean that he was saying you're guilty and you're not guilty. This is a way of saying that he oversaw. So in the book of Judges, judges weren't always sitting on a throne and making pronouncements about people who were seated at the bar. Uh, Instead, he was, he was, uh, the judge was ruling over the country. And Samuel is described as a judge. And so when he judges people at Mizpah, it means that he is overseeing the spiritual thing that is going on there. He's acting like a pastor. In fact, overseer is one of the words that the New Testament uses to describe a pastor. Several of the important elements of a church are described here. They weren't a church, but several of the important elements were there. They are encouraging one another in doing the right thing, and that's one of the blessed things about a church. Yesterday I received an email from a, a former disciple of mine, a very, very dear friend, who was asking me about uh, the possibility of moving from one state to another, and uh, his main concern was, should, I leave, should we leave the church where we are here and go to this church in a different state? And I, I said, there are, there are three things that you really need to ask about a church. One is about the preaching. Is the preaching biblical? Is the preaching comprehensible? Does the preaching reach the heart of your family? Do you want your children growing up hearing this preaching? If the answer to that is no, you need to go to church somewhere else. So preaching is very important. And then the second thing may surprise you. Atmosphere. What's the atmosphere of the church? When you walk into that church, do you feel this, this place is full of love? They are welcoming. They're, they're friendly. They, they're earnest They're not playing games. What's the atmosphere of the church? It's a very important thing. And then a third thing is, what's the community? Now, atmosphere and community are very close. I I can barely imagine a church where there was a good atmosphere and not a good possibility of community. Are you able to make friends there who are going to encourage you in the right way? Is that sort of thing happening at that church? I think it is happening at Bullet Lick. <clears throat> I, have, I have people who come, near, who come here for the first time and they say there's just, there's just a different feel. There's something different here. And I agree. I think that there is something loving. But if you're not feeling that, if you feel like this is a cold, mean-spirited church, you need to go to church somewhere else. And we need to improve. But uh, I I think that most of us are doing the best that we can. And so if you feel like 
There's not good preaching. There's not a good atmosphere. And there's no possibility of developing community here. Then you probably need to go to church somewhere else. That was my advice to him. I think that <clears throat> what's happening here is that they're in a what's, what all this they're in a community where they're being encouraged, encouraged to repentance and encouraged to follow the Lord. What's this business about drawing water and pouring it out on the ground? I don't know. I, I must have read six or more commentaries. Nobody really knows. They think that it could be a picture of their repentance that. Our tears need to be like this, and we can't cry this much, and so we've drawn water and pouring it out on the ground just as a symbol of, of how sorry that we are, and, and that's a possibility. There are several other possibilities. But what the point that I'm making here is we don't have to exactly identify what was going on there to see they're doing it together. And the fact that you're being surrounded with people who are repenting also helps you in repentance. And so when they raised the stone of remembrance with a thankful look into the past, they were able to thank the Lord for faithful spiritual influence, able to thank the Lord for this spiritual community. And then the fourth thing that uh, I see from this text as they take a thankful look back is that uh, there is a, a remarkable deliverance from the Lord. A remarkable deliverance. So, as the people of Israel are gathered together for the purpose of repenting and seeking the Lord, the Philistines see what's going on. And it may be that they thought all the Israelites are gathering to uh, wage war against us, and therefore we're going to preempt their strike by attacking them where they're gathered. Or it may be that the Philistines were just thinking, here is our opportunity to deal a death blow to uh, the congregation of Israel. I'm not sure. But whatever is the case, while they were gathered together, then while the Israelites were gathered together, then the Philistines came to attack them. And uh, I'm, I'm sure this was a situation where they could see the forces coming. And what's all that? Oh, that's, that's the Philistine army. They're coming to attack us. And the people, there's a little, a little tremor of panic that goes through the congregation. And they say to Samuel, Please cry out to God for us. Now, I may say that the Philistines picked a really bad time to attack Israel. Uh, right when they are seeking the Lord and being pleasing to the Lord. And uh, they attack Israel right at that moment. But Samuel takes special measures. And he, he sacrifices a sucking lamb. And what's the significance of that? Well... It had to be at least eight days old, according to Leviticus. It had to be at least eight days old to, uh, to, to be eligible for a sacrificial victim. But, you know, a lamb will suck a lot, a lot longer than eight days. This was not a full-grown lamb. I think the point may be that your sacrifice to the Lord doesn't have to be something that only rich people can afford. And uh, God, God uses our little, our little comments and our little investments to do great things. Uh, the crowd has been with us for several days now, and we need to send them away so that they can buy food in the surrounding district, the disciples said to Jesus. And Jesus said, you need not send them away. You feed them. How can we feed so many people? I mean, even if we had the money, six months' wages would not be enough to to purchase for each one of these people to have a bite. And Jesus said, what do you have? 
Well, there's a boy here with five small barley loaves and two small fish, Andrew said. And I just bet that he got a dirty look from Peter right then. Like, you're always saying stupid stuff. <clears throat> there's a boy here with five small barley loaves and two small fish, gets the dirty look from Peter. <laughs> but how far will they go among so many? <laughs> Jesus says, well, give them to me and we'll see. And that may be, it may be your attitude. You're bringing, you're bringing your little offering. And maybe big brother's looking at you saying, is that it? Is that all you got? Jesus says, let me have that. Let's see what we can do with that. It might be just a little sucking lamb. You sacrifice it to the Lord and see what God does with it. And it was a burnt offering. There were other kinds of offerings that there would be a little bit of food left over that the person offering the sacrifice would get it. Not with burnt offerings. It's all burned up. It says, take it all. And so they sacrifice to the Lord, and the Lord intervenes. The Lord intervenes. While he's praying and offering the sacrifice, the Philistines attack. And then, I just want you to see that I'm not exaggerating. Verse 10, as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion. And they were defeated before Israel. I think that this was uh, maybe the original flashbang grenade. Flashbang grenade doesn't really kill anybody. It just confuses you so bad. Suddenly there's a flash and a loud bang. I'm sure that you felt a little bit of this when lightning struck near you and rocked the house or whatever it is. And you just think if that's coming, boom, 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 right, one after the other. And lightning is flashing down and people probably getting hit by lightning. I know it doesn't say that. It just talks about the sound that is going on. But, you know, usually where there's thunder, there's lightning that precedes it. And, but it's obvious. This is God intervening. I think it was obvious to both sides. And the Philistines took off running I imagine that as they left, they th as they ran away, they threw down some of their weapons and the Israelites picked up those weapons and pursued them and killed them with their own weapons. I wouldn't imagine that Israel had a bunch of swords and spears with them when they gathered at Mizpah, uh, although, although it's possible that some of them did have their concealed carry and, <clears throat> and that they just pulled those out when they were going after the Philistines. Um, I have told people bragging on bullet lick that if, if a shooter comes in here, the big danger is going to be crossfire. <laughs> uh, and it, a great victory was, was brought about. So Ebenezer, you take a thankful look into the past, and then you pause in the middle, and you, because the next thing is you take a hopeful look into the future. But you pause in the middle, and you recognize God has been at work here. Stop and recognize the blessings that God has given. Hitherto, the Lord has helped us. And don't stop with just recognizing it. Say thank you. I think I'm going to try something this Wednesday night. It, it may be an utter failure, but, uh, you know, we have prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. I'd like to challenge all of you who come to prayer meeting on Wednesday night to come with at least two things that you're thankful for. And then everyone who's comfortable, 
share those things. You know, we start off our prayer meeting with uh, praises and blessings at Bullet Lick, and usually that, that's kind of our most quiet, it's our most quiet time. And I know not everybody wants to talk, and we all, we all have things that we're thankful for, but just take a, an Ebenezer these next few days, and before you come to church on Wednesday night, say, well, if, if the preacher asks me or if I get the opportunity, I'm going to say, here are two things that the Lord has done in my life in the past year. Being thankful takes stopping, recognizing that you have these blessings, seeing that they came from the Lord, and then looking up and saying, thank you for them. This passage concludes, after the pause of Ebenezer, there is a hopeful look forward. Ebenezer, as explained here, means till now. And there's an implication, there's more to come. Till now, you look back, but there's also an anticipated, hopeful look forward. And uh, it should work this way, that we look in the past and we see that God has been faithful to provide everything that we need. Therefore, we may safely conclude that He will continue to provide us with everything that we need. God has been faithful he will continue to be faithful. I don't need to be fretful and worried. God has helped us till now. God will continue to help us in the future. And look at some of the blessings that came to them as they had a hopeful look forward. They, the Philistines were subdued, verse 13 says, and they were delivered from the oppression of their enemies and then there was peace between Israel and the Ammonites. And so as they looked forward in hopeful anticipation that the Lord would continue, the historian looks back and says their hope was well-founded. They enjoyed a long respite from the oppression and intrusion of the Philistines, and they enjoyed a time of peace between Israel, Israel and the Ammonites. And so... The purpose of this sermon is that uh, you and I might raise our spiritual Ebenezers, that we might look back on what the Lord has done for us and that we will say thank you and cultivate a thankful heart towards Him and towards others. That We'll pause, raise the, the spiritual stone that says, up to this point, the Lord has helped me. And as we look into the future and anticipate a new year, to say, if God has helped me so far, then He will continue to help me. Jim Bob, come and lead us in a concluding hymn.